Welcome to the Heroes of Reality podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. Welcome, young adventurers. Dylan here. And on today's podcast, I have Chris Pronowski. He is an old friend of mine. I met at Oculus Connect forever and a day ago. Um, we got together, we did an amazing um, hackathon together over at his studios, Titmount Studios in Hollywood. Uh, he is famous for making epic animations, uh, things like um, Metalocalypse, Aang the Avatar, Big Mouth, uh, Star Trek uh, uh, Lower Decks, and um, Midnight Gospel on Netflix. And so he has an amazing background, and I'm excited and grateful to bring him on to the podcast, my friend, Chris B. Hey. 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 How's it going, hey. How's it going people who watch and listen to this podcast? Hello. <laughs> hey, brother, man. I'm so glad to see you, dude. It's been, it's been a minute, dude. Yeah. What, no, yeah. We're not what's seeing been? much of anybody these days. We're all locked in our, in our houses. I'm yeah, man. Here. Yeah. Have you uh, have you gotten the shot yet? Are you gonna get the vaccine? What's what's I going on with you? you? I'm not. I haven't gotten it yet. We'll see. You know, we'll see how that plays out. Okay. Yeah. It's it's really interesting. Like when the when it all hit, it's like all of a sudden just everything shifted and we all just adapted. We're like, okay, yeah. I guess we're I guess we're indoors now and I'm gonna order a whole bunch of like takeout and things like that. Yeah, so. it, worked, it worked pretty well for animation. Like we transitioned uh -huh. like. In like less than 24 hours to be in like fully and fully like remote so it's crazy because i think it was, we have the studio in new york and la and vancouver yeah. so we're already half of our meetings were already on video calls anyway mm. yeah and like it's interesting because like for someone like you you're like yeah okay we'll just everyone just do it at home take all your your digital pins and brushes and and, and go off and, and do your yeah. stuff you know exactly yeah I, have you noticed like a um, like a culture change at all, or has it been pretty much the same thing? Has there been any gaps in terms of like you, because you create an amazing culture. We can dive into that a little bit later, but like how has things shifted culturally because of being going on digital? I mean, it's tough to, to, to maintain that because everybody's at home and you, you have to make an extra effort. We have this, you've attended this party. We, we would do this live party called the Smash Party. And we actually did yes. a game, you know, that kind of featured it. And, uh, we, you know, it was a big fun party. A couple thousand people would show up and bands play and you smash stuff in a big cage with sledgehammers and things like that. We actually worked with um, this past September, I think, September of 20. Mm -hmm. We ended up uh, hooking up with uh, Linden Labs and we built our whole studio back lot in, in Second Life. And we held and they built like a game mechanic in Second Life. And we did, did our smash party in Second Life and still, I think almost 2,000 people showed up. So it was like similar, you know, uh, to our live experience. We had like, you know, we built, it was like weird because it was like kind of like, you know, a pretty accurate recreation of our studio, yeah. <laughs> you know, an accurate recreation of that party. And uh, yeah, I think you can still go visit it on Second Life somehow. Um, I say like, it's still standing. <laughs> Was it was it like a sense of like deja vu, kind of like you've been here but you haven't been here before? Yeah, vibe yeah, thing going on. Weird, where you'd be like people who work at the studio. It's like, oh, I'll go meet you, and it's like the exact same layout, except we added like weird shit, right? You know, like giant Bigfoots walking around and toilets with, you know, <laughs> whatever. We're like volcano erupting, weird stuff. But we did do food trucks too, and if you were in LA at the time, you could, if you cl clicked on the food truck, it would bring you to the website and you could order the food and they'd deliver it to your house. So we tried to like as faithfully uh, as possible, like recreate this thing. Oh, so, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. A lot that, of fun. that is one of the gaps of the whole VR piece is that you can't eat together or drink together really. Yeah. I mean, you can kind of, kind of, sort of, but not really. And totally. so, yeah. And I, I loved like, and your smash parties is one of my favorite events to go to and I've, I've been to it a number of years in a row and it's just like one it's it, you have this cage and you can bring whatever you really want to smash to it and if you get there early enough because there's a lot of demand for it you go inside and there's sledgehammers and there's and there's mallets and there's crowbars and there's anything and the crowd is cheering and it's like mad max thunderdome style people just cheering it on 
And then like one of my favorite traditions that you guys have is after you, everyone smashes thing and then there is a smash winner and they're given this big, beautiful, awesome trophy at the end. And yeah. what does the winner do with it? They smash it. And it's just, <laughs> yeah, the idea is you smash the trophy. That is so dope because it really allows us to kind of just rage out in a safe place. And I don't think we get that a lot. We don't get a lot of places where we can rage on stuff and yeah. everyone supports you and not go, oh, my God. You know? Yeah, we've been doing that in some form or another for over 20 years. Now, actually, there are places you can do it. There's like smash rooms where you can like, you know, pay to do little smash rooms. It's not an event at that scale. One, I think mm. one of the first ones too, when, when they when they covered it, I'm not sure who covered it, LA Times or somebody, the smash room, they, they credited our party. They're like, hey, the, the studio Tipmouse has actually been doing this for a while. So I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> we've entered that, if you're gonna do a smash room that somebody remembers that we were, we've been doing it for a while. <laughs> first, the, uh, yeah. how'd, you, how'd you come up with that? Like, what was the genesis of the whole you smash know, party? It was my friend, Jody Schaefer who's another animation guy, animation director, show creator mm -hmm. guy. Back when we lived in New York, we were all working at MTV in the late 90s. And uh, he had a house in New Jersey. He's one of the only guys at, our, at that age, you know, we're all in our 20s that had a house. And uh, he had seen some kind of like news, you know, piece on like this fancy restaurant in Tokyo where like rich businessmen could like smash like expensive vases in a fancy room like i want to do that but we could just go to goodwill and you know buy you know stuff for a dollar and smash it or, or just smash garbage we don't have to smash so we did it in his garage the first two times in new jersey and then we all ended up at one time or another moving out here to la and when we first started tidmouse we rented the basement of a building in in west hollywood which is one of the parts of the building so we would throw it in there and it was incredibly dangerous it was like there was like one of those like stairwells that you walk down into the basement you know the, the trap uh, that was the only entrance and exit in the place and <laughs> super hot and all the fumes you know when you're smashing those crt tvs and stuff it just gets all oh. crazy down there yeah got a lot safer over the years and a lot more organized and you know you've you've saw the the the, the more like realized version of the party. <laughs> yeah, I've seen paramedics in the background just kind of be like, yeah, yeah, no, we have, we have two, we always hire two paramedics so yeah. that we don't have to stop the cage if somebody's attending to an injury, you know, people can keep going while the, while the other person's being bandaged <laughs> up or whatever. And uh, we've been lucky, there hasn't been anyone who's been super seriously injured. We had one emergency room visit for like, because the guy had to get stitches. And that's why I love mm -hmm. having the medics, because they, they, I don't know about that stuff. I'm not going to make the call, but the medic's like, yeah, you know, it's probably best to get the, for this guy to get stitches, you know, mm -hmm. just to be safe. You know, you know, anything to go wrong. And that, that was the worst. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think somebody got six stitches. You know. Yeah. For us, it's, it's a medical emergency for, for, for them. It's like a Tuesday, you know, yeah, but, yeah, 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 exactly. like it's fine. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, you know, we had, uh, one, one, uh, just mashable i think covered it a, a few years ago and they 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 shot shot it with these super slow-mo cameras these like really expensive looking cameras and the guy was in the he set it up in the kitchen behind plexiglass and i'm like man like just want to let you know like people go nuts in here they throw tvs around and stuff like i don't want your camera to get broken the guy looked at me like listen like i i shoot mythbusters i shoot all this like don't sweat it, man. The camera's insured. Like he's, he's kind of like that's so, cute, kid. Like you know, I deal with like exp giant explosions and shit. Don't worry if, if TV being hurt with the camera is over. <laughs> through. Yeah. yeah, it's it's professionals, man. So then you, yeah. you you took that and you've turned it into a Smash VR game, right? Yeah, we did a while ago, and I kind of pitched yeah. it as a joke. You know, we were mm -hmm. hanging out with the at the time the Viacom Next guys. This was back mm -hmm. in. 2016 and i was like yeah there's a couple things the smash party thing that'd be fun the mechanic well, well i was talking about how the mechanic was very similar to like a room scale vr experience right because you're in a cage that yeah. has finite space right you're you're boxed in you know our cage is tw 20 by 10 feet but mm -hmm. you know, our like our 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 you know our room scale version is essentially like 10 by 10 feet and uh which you know 
many people can can find 10 by 10 feet yeah. somewhere. You've got a room scale VR setup. You probably have 10 by 10 feet. And you know, a controller that you, you swing and the, and really you only controller for that Smash VR game. But it's pretty yeah, we released that in December of uh of 16. So it's pretty old now, but it's free, still up on Steam, still works. If you got a vibe, it'll it'll actually work on an Oculus too. If we just it's just not supported. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, you could, I'm imagining the smashing controls are still the same. You swing controllers, smash yeah. some stuff. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. You could also play it on the, um, I don't know if you've gotten your hands on an Oculus Quest. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah Not to another room. Yeah. yeah. So with that, I mean, you can use, like, you're, are you familiar with virtual desktop at all? Sure. Yeah, but yeah. I haven't, I ha yeah, I'm not deep. It's okay. Yeah. Just, just, I can say just for anybody's listening or just for your own, own sake is that, one thing that's really cool about the virtual desktop, because originally it was on SideQuest, but now it's on the actual store, is that yeah. you can you can stream Steam games. Yeah. From, so on the Quest or Quest 2, you can technically still play your Smash game. There you uh, go. And so you can just stream it through virtual desktop, go to Steam, go and get that game, boom. And you're out there the you So a game from 2016, which is like four and a half years ago, because it was December, right? Coming up on five years, which in vr years is like it might as well be a hundred years old you can sure. still play it you can still play it on a quest <laughs> hey man technology technology gets new but yeah. smashing stuff will never get old no it's super cool man i i love it dude i know like uh one of the things i want to touch upon is so a while ago me and you got together we met at oculus connect yeah. and, and it was it was just we we're just sitting around rapping at some like uh, drinking coffee before some things and then uh come to find out that um you you make some of my favorite animations of all times oh, and and i didn't realize that i was just having a conversation with a cool dude and then he walked off and like like you know you made venture brothers and medical lockups i was like wait and i ran out i was like hey let's have a conversation <laughs> you make such cool stuff um before I dive into talking about the, the hackathon thing and stuff that we did around there, um, yeah. I, I'd love to learn, like, one about, like, you make such cool animations, ones that, and, 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 and it's, those ones are old classics, there's new ones like Big Mouth, like, how do you, how do you go through the process of choosing the inspiration for what you're working on, and then, like, how do you, how do you keep that coolness as you scale this company and everything that you're doing? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, uh, we are now at the point where it's good that we've gotten to the scale where we can turn down work and stuff, you know, because we, you know, even when we were making lockups and Venture Brothers and stuff, we, we, uh, yeah, we did jobs that weren't as cool. We just didn't promote them as heavily. You know? <laughs> a lot of commercials and things like that that aren't, you know, that pay the bills. And, you know, now I think we're, we're doing a lot of stuff to really dig and we, we, we like to, to just decide, we don't really have a house style. We have more of what I call like a house sensibility, where if we just can find something that we like about it, right? If it's cool, if it's we can, if it's something that we can make funny, or do a cool, innovative design, or a new type of storytelling, or even just dig into like really high quality animation, those are all good reasons. We've wrapped it up into something that I like to refer to as the fresh styles. If it has the fresh, that's if it so we can, if we can infuse into it the fresh styles. And that comes from some uh, kid, uh, probably like an adolescent or young teenager, uh, did a YouTube video where he was commenting on some of our animation. And he said that our studio always has the fresh styles. And I'm like, I'm going to use that as a term. Now, <laughs> it's a good term. <laughs> it's a great uh, way to explain it. Because it is like, whenever I see it, it's not like it's, I think back in the day, you, you'd associate, oh, cartoons are for kids. And mm -hmm. then it's something, same thing with video games. It's like Mario, Mario Brothers is for kids. But like as we got older, we grew up with our animations and we grew up yeah. with our video games. And then now they became adolescents and then they became midlife crisis adults. And they just, but they grew up with us. And you, you've been able to keep that, that like the essence of like, I can relate to this. I can relate. Back in the day, I related to Melacos and Venture Brothers and now Big Mouth and and the other ones that you have coming. So like, do you, we said the fresh styles and you're grabbing these different pieces. How do you like, does someone come to you with like a fully formed idea? Like, 
like Big Mouth or these other things? Like, do you collaborate? How do you make that funny? What does that process look like for inserting creativity on top of uh, some IP? Yeah, it's different for every show. You know, every show is different. There's no one way to do it. So it's like sometimes we'll generate ideas internally and go out and pitch them. Sometimes we'll, somebody will bring a fully formed idea and we just have to figure out how to make the best version of it. And sometimes there's a hybrid where somebody will have an idea, but it's not fully formed or a network will be like, hey, mm. we have this idea. You know, we, we're pitched the show, but they don't, they're not animation people. So you need to figure out what it's going to look like and, you know, how it's going to work. So mm -hmm. it's really just any, any, and, and everywhere in between, right? That's, it's, it's, you know, if it's a, if it's more of like a, a commercial or a work for hire gig, those are mostly, you know, it's like, Hey, we just need you to animate it. But for the yeah. TV stuff, we get pretty heavily involved. We, we, especially in the LA studio, yeah. uh, most of the time we have the writer's room, we have all the creatives in house, you know, Vancouver studio, traditionally has been more a production you know animation production video where the creative either shifts ships from us from la or new york or some version of that or a third party like a dream or a fox or a, you know disney or something will do service work for them mm -hmm. although recently vancouver has been we've been doing more pre-production like we have a show um devil may care on sci-fi where the pre-production is up in in vancouver so they're they're leveling up to do uh, pre-production now as well. Oh, interesting. So then you you talked about the writers' room and getting people together. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about pre-pandemic, post-pandemic? How does that work? I mean, do they 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 have late uh, uh, imbibing and creative juices, and then going yeah. into that, and then do they now do that through Zoom? Like, what does that what does that yeah. look like? Yeah, it's basically through Zoom or or whatever you know any kind of zoom equivalent you know yeah. some if it's google meet or go to meeting or you know and not, not very many i did one recently though where somebody wanted to use skype and i was like oh i like skype somehow i don't know how skype messed that up so bad like <laughs> could have been the zoom for this they used to be the verb it used to be you want to skype and and somehow zoom's tech was just better and it hit at just the right time and I don't know because it's Skype was initially the position for this exact situation and they blew it. I don't I know, know what happened. I, you know, I wonder what happened because I, I think Microsoft took them over and, yeah. I, and, I, and I think what happened was like, they, they did remove some of their, their, their coolness in some in way capacity. Like, Oh, you have to have a login. You have to have these things. And then yeah. I don't know, but you're right. It was Skype. I was using Skype and all of a sudden zoom became the thing. And there's so many more things you can do with zoom. Yeah. Um, so, ugh. Sorry, Skype. Zoom probably won in the beginning because they were the first ones. I think the first ones where you could put a funny background behind you. Yeah, you're, you're right, and that's what we were doing. I remember doing that. It was like part of that, like the COVID. It's like I'm so bored. I'm just gonna find how many things I can like, like you know, cats flying through space, puking on coffee, things like that. So yeah, yeah. And you're like having out with your friends where you're trying to like make them laugh, and then you forget. And you go to a work meeting in the morning, and then you still have your dumb, embarrassing background behind you. <laughs> yeah, dude, I've done that in meetings where I had like the Brady Bunch, and I was like the center. Yeah. Head. And yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, this is a really professional meeting. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, when you're in a situation like, I, I just love a little bit more about the, the, the creative process. Like, how do you, how do you have any like systems, tactics, methods for actually generating funny? Like, is there, do you have like, is there a way that you, cause you are able to consistent, like it's one thing to be funny once but you guys are able to like, like workshop mill that stuff out. And so like, is there a process you have in the writer's room? Is there a way, or is it just funny people? Like how does it's a combination of those things? Yeah. It's a good question. I mean, it is experience, you know, and it's like, and it's, it's being able to ID people, you know, mm -hmm. and sometimes it's tough because the funniest writers aren't always the funniest people you know what i mean they're not always outwardly because there's funny in the room yeah. like, there's a term called funny in the room right which mm -hmm. a funny in the room person is someone who makes jokes and makes people laugh in the room and that person is likely to be funny on the page too because you could tell they're a funny person but somebody who's not funny in the room someone who sits there is probably really funny if they've been working a lot because they're still getting jobs to write and they're not impressing anybody you know with their personality you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the page is a good skill as well. 
Uh, it's, it almost reminds me of like a UFC fighter that's generally pretty calm and cool because yeah, yeah. He, doesn't, he doesn't need to prove himself at all because he gets yeah. beat up all day long. He goes, I got nothing left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they, they leave all their funny in the ring. Yeah. 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 Um, and uh, yeah, you know, it's just in time, you know, anytime you can reserve more time up front to, mm. to make things better and figure it out, that, that always helps. And, and having a little bit more of a fluid process what helps with animation i mean animation is weird because live action you can shoot whatever you want you overshoot you know you have a shooting ratio of whatever it is you know you shoot all different angles and all different takes and you bring them in and animation you don't want you don't want to animate much over what's going to be on the screen so you really beat it up in the animatic but you can do creative retakes at the end the benefit you get on a live action show what you shoot is generally what you shoot. I mean, you can on a higher budget show, you can go back and reshoot mm -hmm. stuff, but you know, on most TV comedy stuff, there's not a huge budget to go back and reshoot stuff or, or come up with an entirely new gag or a new thing. Um, in animation, you can add gags at like the 11th hour, go in and draw a, a, a location that didn't exist or a character that didn't exist and add a gag or add things at the last minute, which, mm -hmm. you know, is, is a good, is a good, uh, thing to have in your back pocket you know yeah. stuff you know yeah. also be able to to you know kind of frankenstein performances and stuff it's like oh you know i like this take for this half of the line and this other take for this other half of the line you know you can cut them together and since it's all animated nobody stopped like they're like they take together like you would see if, if it was a live action show so uh you can you can you can really construct a performance if you yeah. need well, what's great about that is that, you know, with stylized versus realistic or like, you know, live action, whatever you want to call it, is that it really the, the, the weight isn't necessarily on the animation as much as it is the content and the structure and how yeah. awesome something is. Now you can make incredible um, fight scenes like the, the Avatar or the other things. And those things are very cool to watch because you can, there's also a lot of details, like say with the Avatar, they actually are using like real movements from different styles yeah. of Kung Fu discipline. So like you have to, that in order to make that, you can't just have two, you can't, can't do just a stick battle. And so, yeah. but, so it's beyond just the content, you know, it, it, you got, there's a lot of like research process that goes into yeah, that. Yeah, in the original run of Avatar, you know, when I, we worked on the first, I worked on the first season and Tim Mouse worked on the main title of the, the uh, first season. Oh. Still, still when we were drawing on paper, right? Yeah. And, and so all the reference of the, you know, was a Brian's, Brian Konetsko, who's one of the creators, it was his like martial arts, like instructor that did all the reference for us, right? They'd shoot him doing these things. Like Brian would be like, this guy's going to do something with fire. And that guy would kind of choreograph it and they'd shoot him and they'd print out like, all the scene folders were like this thick because you'd have like a like a telephone book of like reference images to go through because you know it's hard to make that stuff up you know and make it yeah. and make it feel like it's legitimate so we were looking at so much reference when we were drawing on that oh so you were the guys who did mm -hmm. like fire yes yeah. oh such a <laughs> I, I have occasionally while you know watching it in my underwear been doing the movements <laughs> <laughs> we, we um we actually did uh one of the hackathons i did a long time ago we did it we hooked up a connect sensor and oh, okay. we and, and we do the connect section where you, uh, connect sensor is an xbox thing where it looks at your physical movement and we, we hooked up multiplayer to where we were doing the avatar moves and one would send a fireball and the other guy would block it and we're trying to do those movements because that's like that's like to have those types of I don't know, there's something that that really resonates with people with with the avatar and it's like it's like one of my favorite things it's an epic anime that didn't come from japan yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know and so um that's incredible and what you what you sound like you're doing almost reminds me of like almost like mortal Kombat, how it was real and like it was real movements of people that they yeah. turned into games you took those actual kung fu style well, kung fu uh, martial arts and then got footage of that and then you were able to basically still frame through that whole thing yeah and and the difference is it's like we weren't we weren't using like rotoscope or like a, a technique where we were actually trading we were mostly using it as like reference you know oh, wow. we were still drawing and that that kept like the stylized look of it so it didn't look too too like so-called real you mm -hmm. know like you can always tell 
or if you know if you've watched enough of it you can tell if something's like rotoscoped or like motion captured or something versus like hand drawn yeah there's more of a fluidity to it yeah that yeah. is that is epic with um so okay so going through that you have a lot of backgrounds do you have like in terms of like the processes that you do is there anything that you do that is different that is uncommon in an animation studio that you feel is like one thing that is in essence that like that you've learned through grinding and through all the years that you've do, done this that this is this is a technique this is a style this is something that we we always incorporate that is uncommon in the typical animation practice i mean we do a lot of that so you know we, we we've you know we were we've traditionally been more on the the side of like like trying out tech stuff because we're you know we're small as far as like a the the above the line like top side of the company we're pretty slim you know we're still a mom and pop shop shannon my wife and i are the owners and we have a small executive staff we don't have a board we're we're a private company we don't we're not owned by a big corporation so we can make decisions quickly and early on we were like the first studio to use cintiqs you know the drawing tablets mm -hmm. when people were still on paper we were because we you know, I'm like, what you were saying about like, you know, generations that, that, that grew up on animation and stuff, like, I feel like I'm probably the first generation that grew up playing video games. The video games existed when I was, you know, old enough, you know, to understand yeah. the world. Like, yeah, I started playing videos like five years old or something. So, like the idea, you know, when, when we were coming up, a lot of the studios were owned by older, older people or, or, or older companies of like, mm -hmm. Hey, you know, and we started, we, we, we worked on video games and made some video games early on that we could script. We were like, Hey, you know, we can code if the software, if the animation software that we're using doesn't do what we need it to do. We can code anything we want to, to make it do whatever we want. So we've always had a kind of hybrid approach to our pipeline. We don't use pretty much don't use any software off the shelf. We're always like, we have a, uh, a guy like on staff who will code and innovate stuff for us oh. which i think is a little bit different that's common in cg mm. studios or feature studios or gaming studios super uncommon in like tv studios which is primarily what we do, even we do. Oh. that's cool yeah i've seen you like take things from other areas which is innovation right you're like oh they're yeah. doing this they're doing this in japan you know uh you don't need to be just super into the vr stuff you know when we met i think i probably told you it's like i don't really do this i'm just super into it and we did some <laughs> VR stuff and not because we, made, we didn't make any money on that stuff mm -hmm. we just wanted to do it because it was cool <laughs> there's, there's a value in the coolness of of it and then vr is one of the one of the areas um i do want to i want to touch on vr and we're gonna we're gonna mm -hmm. we're gonna hop into that for a bit but i do want to talk a little bit one about it's it's very cool that you have someone dedicated to innovation and then they can go and innovate. And, and it's probably some some person uh, that's just like, I love to innovate. Let me go do my thing. And so you just let them yeah. be them. But speaking of letting them be them, you have something coming up tomorrow that's just kind of like let your freak flag fly. And <laughs> and that's known as the uh, – well, how about this? Do you want to talk a little bit about yeah, yeah, that? Sure. This? So you're talking about a another studio tradition called Five Second Day, right? And, the, and we do a – screening that we call five second night because it's traditionally been at night what's different during the pandemic is uh let me i'm getting ahead of myself i'll tell you what it is and then i'll tell you what's different so maybe this is pretty old tradition maybe like 12 years ago shannon my partner running the company she was like hey we need to let people blow off steam and do their own creative stuff they're always working on jobs what if like shut down the studio for a day, still pay people to work, let them make their own film, whatever they want. And then at the end of the week, we screen it. You know, we'll do it on a Monday. We'll edit them all together and then we'll screen it, get get drunk on a Friday night or something. And it was a huge success. Everybody loved doing it. And we called it five second day because we we're like, make like five second long film, right? That seems reasonable to do a day, right? Uh, over the years, it's grown and grown and grown and like hardly any of the films are five seconds long now. Some people make films that are like a minute long and they team up and they plan them ahead of time and they, they you know, there's whole, whole little crews working on them. And we've been screening them in LA, New York and Vancouver in movie theaters for the past, I don't know, 
six or seven years and they usually sell out and it's a big fun thing. Now, last year we were right at the cusp. We screened in LA at the Egyptian. We screened in New York at the SVA theater, but we had to cancel our Vancouver screening because I think Vancouver was one of the hot spots before it came down to LA. And we were like, we should cancel this. It was before there was any mandate of closing down, but we're like, we don't feel comfortable. Now, a year later, we're still in it. So we're do, we're still partnering with the Egyptian and the American Cinematheque, and we're they have a service where uh, you know for five bucks you can go and you get the screening, but you get it instead of this is the big difference in pandemic. Uh, instead of going to a movie theater which can sell out, they can sell as many tickets as they want, and you get it all weekend. Like you you don't have to watch it that Friday night. You could get your ticket and you can watch it Saturday, Sunday, whatever. I think you get it for. I don't know what the exact, it'll tell you on the website if you go, sure. what yeah. the thing is. So yeah, you can watch it on your own time, kind of. Uh, but uh, it's fun. And, and I think it's like an hour and a half of cartoons and all sorts. What I, what I should say too is uh, we've drawn a very like hard line in the sand mm-hmm. where we don't moderate the content. We, we want this to be pure art, uh, mm-hmm. not something so the content super varies. It can be like, it could be a very cute, sensitive film of like some, about somebody's hat, or it could yeah. be a horribly offensive film. <laughs> you stuff that's gross or sexual or violent or whatever. And animators often try to gross each other out. So if you are going to, uh, that is my trigger warning to the group. If you are easily offended by uh, gross imagery, then there may be some of that. I don't know. I haven't watched any of them yet. I, I when you see them. Oh, that's so epic. So they, so are they, when they do it, is it Friday they're doing it? And so that's preloaded for it to go? Or yeah, is it yeah, like... we did the five second day was, was a couple weeks ago. And we, okay. we had time to like, cause we got to edit it. We got to render mm-hmm. it up. You know, when, when we would do, uh, when it was projected in the theater, there was more of a process where it has to be, has to be converted into a format that their digital projector, you, you know, there's just like a lot of steps involved now not as much um and uh last year because we didn't know we had we had streamed the uh the content on twitch uh for the vancouver screening and stream streamed a couple other ones but twitch you know is uh has its own issues you know it's it's great it's a great platform but maybe not the best for screening screening it's better for streaming and better for you know, interactive stuff, yeah. video games, playing role-playing games, stuff like that, watching people do cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, each platform's got a different vibe. And, you yeah. know, it's kind of like the, the message is the medium kind of thing, and so it's just more it's more of a, a gaming kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but I love the letting people, because art is a total expression. I'm, uh, I've been to Burning Man for a number of years, and these other types of things, and you, and it's, it's interesting because art is like, it's, anything that allows someone to communicate how they feel and it could be not but i love the fact that you don't put any moderation on it whatsoever yeah. you just you, just, you yeah. just warn people hey if you are triggered but like how have you noticed like when they go through it are do people afterwards do they feel more connected do they is there a is there is there a community vibe is there is yeah. there raging what what happened <laughs> Great, everybody did, and I think everybody appreciates that you know that you're looking at art thing. So I, I really don't think that there's been something that everybody was like, dude, you should not have showed that, you know, yeah. even when it's been offensive. Uh, and I think everybody gets behind. You know, it's like you you get to see people's personal side. What's also been a thing that was not the intent of this. Mm. I think it's better that it was not the intent. It's like we get to see people's skill sets. Somebody who might be working in a totally different discipline at the studio, we've been like, hey, maybe that artist could direct a short or so. You know, like we see her like, I never knew they were good at designing or animating or something if they were in a storyboard, you know, and yeah. you get to see it ends up being in a weird way, an internal recruitment tool for us to see like, oh, here's where you can show off and show what you can do. Also on the other hand, we've uh, also accidentally, it's become like a weird development lab that we didn't intend to. Where some of the five second day shorts we developed in this stuff and, and sold them. And we, we, this show, uh, Mau Mau on Cartoon Network, we've done an entire season and it, and, uh, you know, was greenlit for a second season at Cartoon Network. So, uh, you know, that came out of a five second day short. So it's crazy. This, 
it's like you need a balance. Like you can't just say, "All right, artists, run wild," because we, that's that's like the smash smash party. You know, it, it just it just is what it is, and it's wonderful. But like you don't really get anything done. You still you're still a business. You still got to move on things and do stuff. But you have this area that's like, okay, guys, this is the purge. Go yeah. and do your thing. And go and get crazy. But then, but there is amazing stuff that comes out of it. But it becomes the wild, wild west of animation. But yeah. it's but it's super cool to see that because inspiration like that's why I love hackathons. It's yeah. like, okay, guys, do whatever you want. Don't care what you want. Do whatever whatever feels good to you. And then you just if you try to control that, you you would never you would never be inspired enough. And so, like, yeah, I remember the hackathon that we did at Tidmouse with you guys. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the projects in particular was incredibly offensive, but it was fun. It had a great game mechanic to it. <laughs> I recall that one. Yeah. Well, yeah. We'll, we'll leave some mystery for what that one could be. But let's just say, imagine what the most offensive thing is. Yeah. And it was that. It was that. Yeah. But, but there also, there's some amazing things that came from that. There was an audio engineer who made this made this terrifying audio sound thing that was all in darkness. That was just yeah. loud, scary noises, right? There was like, there was all these people that made this stuff. And it was, it was cool because the genesis of like, it's a melting pot, like with, with virtuality development, that type of stuff. I mean, you need the technical sides, but you also need the artist sides and you bring those people together and you just kind of put them in a box and you go, okay. It's like the, the hackathon weekend is, is kind of like a five second animation, you know, yeah. but it's just like, and then you get inspired and then, you know, maybe those things come off and they, they turn into stuff and they, I've seen games go into the stores. I've seen people form companies and businesses. So there's lots of stuff that happens from these hackathons. Um, what, like you've primarily done animation. You've been kind of staunch in that, that area as, do you ever see yourself going into the areas of, of doing more VR games or VR shorts or animations? I know I've had a friend yeah. that I've that. I would love to, and you know we've dabbled and we've we've had some projects greenlit that never saw the light of day. You know, as happens mm -hmm. with, with many things. You know, where it's like, oh, that didn't go the distance. That that company that was fine. I'm sure anybody who's worked in VR, any any kind of like gaming or entertainment scenario knows this, but particularly VR. You know, there was a lot of chatter in, you know, probably like 2016, 2017. And we had a couple projects greenlit in that 2017, 2018 time that, you know, companies started folding, <laughs> you know, when it got to like 2019, you know, and uh, some of them never happened. So the thing is, I'd love to do more. There's, it's a tough business model to crack, you know, mm -hmm. so it's, it's really just finding time to do like fun artistic projects where you don't care about making money or figuring out a model where you could make it a business we it's in that kind of weird valley for us now um because we don't have a dedicated vr division it's kind of more like we'll do it for fun yes we don't have we don't currently have one in development right now although there are some that i still want to make we'll mm. see we'll see what happens see what happens yeah there's um there was uh i was asking is i have a, a friend on her name is a uh, patricia beckman wells who was just on the podcast um she did like animation and art for like pixar and disney and she teaches it over at ivc and she's working on some shorts uh right now trying to do like live animation inside vr using different types of like throughputs and she's working with somebody you know might know emily cole i think is her name um Cole Art, uh, I guess she's one of the artists, um, uh, part of uh, Titmouse, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was listening to her and her process, and you're right, is in VR, there was what, what we call the trough of disillusionment. You come in, it's so cool, yeah. and then and then the businesses start crashing, all these businesses are going under because they can't find the actual value, right? And then the good experiences, games, things come out there, The, for example, Beat Sabers, Half-Life yeah. Alex, these other things that are making you know, hundreds of millions of dollars that are, that have cracked the code in that way, shape or form. Yeah. Uh, like, like animation straight shorts, where it's like, it's more of like a, uh, only, only animation seems to be not as, um, doesn't have as much traction as more of interactive things. Yeah. Um, but there are people that have done like crossovers that have taken like, um, Rick and Morty and done Rick and Morty VR. That was actually a very successful transition from yeah. animation to, to comedy stuff. Like that's something that we were trying to, 
crack entertainment and comedy and that's kind of dried up gaming for sure i mean beat saber is proven i mean a lot of things have proven but beat saber in particular i mean i think i've bought beat saber three times right i bought it <laughs> yeah yes yeah, we are for on steam and on the quest right <laughs> you know <laughs> it's it's good it's simple it's easy and it's one of the yeah. easiest ways to get people up and going in the space man it's yeah. just like hey just put this on have some fun i'll catch my catch in a couple minutes it's not it's not overly complex but that's that that's the beauty of it and so that's what i mean because right now from what i've seen um uh like zuckerberg is saying that like that he's trying to uh have uh virtual reality go mainstream yeah. and he believes virtual reality is going to go mainstream next year with about 10 million headsets on the quest so it's just you got an intel on their on their vr time machine you know about that one i've been hearing about that for years where it's like no data I mean, it's not a real time machine right no speculation i will say told me this officially i've just cobbled together from rumor yeah. that it's like you know between like geo data uh-huh. and like whatever like lidar data and cobbling together photographs to do models and people all these stuff that you know facebook obviously is a master of collecting data on people and at some point uh you will be able to like go to your whatever facebook vr interface and be like oh man remember that party back in the year 2023 i want to go back in time to that and it not that it's going to be you know you'll just be in the vr space it'll 3d reconstruct the space and maybe more you know and then you can visit it with your friends in vr as your avatar and be like look at jimmy thrown up in the corner from our multiple angles of pictures that we took at this party five years ago or whatever that's that's what i think is going to be a huge uh because we had talked about you know i don't care about any ndas on this because it never happened we had talked about uh, this nostalgia base project that we were talking about with a big client and you, you guys yeah. did it and it never came together but i think yeah. it's, a, it's a huge huge opportunity vr you know to be able to recreate that space and 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 it's particularly childhood nostalgia because scale is a cool thing that you could play with you can make yourself the size of a kid in your yeah. house a hundred percent you can you can do some epic things with vr but you're looking at that because i know their their plans were to use um, augmented reality headsets as well um, yeah. with cameras on it so you can walk around spaces and it would geo map everything as well so I mean not only could you do it in VR like they have horizons as you can put on the headset and go inside their their multiplayer experience um, yeah. I think it's under beta still but then I know their plan is to get into the AR space with their version of the Google glasses and be able to like track yeah. and mark and map everything so if you're taking all that data you should be able to go back into real life as well as virtual life and yeah. be able to reconstruct that which is sure crazy and then the other shoe that everybody's waiting for right is when is the apple shoe going to drop because you know yeah. they release it's going to be pushed really hard you know they're great at pushing their hardware and they're mm. great at making it look cool and be easy so you know i feel it's- like the, that's that's another shoe that will 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 lead to lead to more adoption so yeah they recently said that oh check out our three thousand dollar new ar like design it was just you know it was a it was a mock-up it was hard to tell when or where or how that's going to be coming out the the only major challenge they're going to have but i don't know how big it is is content is that uh facebook has got an amazing strategy of yeah. who's the best in the business now let me buy you and pull you off all the shelves of everyone else's places. Like Beat Saber, they bought Beat Saber and they go, okay, you're no longer on Steam. And then and then you could hear every VR arcade across the planet, you know, simultaneously groan with, oh, <laughs> you know, it was, it was just gone. It was just gone. They're, they just, just buy that up. And so Apple, not like they don't have cash flow and they can they can do that, but they're just going to be a little bit of a lag behind getting that quality mm-hmm. content and and be able to do that. Uh, you know, I do know an amazing animation studio that could do some great VR work if Apple wants to <laughs> and wants to, to get ahead of the ball and make some amazing content. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but, but no, you're right. That's coming. All this stuff's coming. What's crazier beyond that? It would kind of freak me out. I was um, I was on Reddit at three in the morning, as sometimes I want to do, yeah. and and I saw this chick uh, who was like the ex head of Facebook research for their Facebook Reality Labs, and mm-hmm. And she was talking about this headset 
that they made in the labs that was AR, VR that you could toggle on and off, but they had these camera sensors and like, you know, like, like the camera, if you put on your skin, it can look at your blood flow. So they put them all inside the headset. And so basically you put on this VR headset and it was almost like a functioning MRI machine. And so wow. it could scan your brain and they're like, yeah, if you, imagine you could see what you can know what they're looking at. You can know what they're saying. And over time it would know what you're thinking. It could even predict what you're thinking, predict what you're saying. And then you could take those thoughts and we could even think words like, Hey, Chris, what's up, bro. And then it could send it to you. And then in your headset, it could translate that. And then it could be like AR VR telepathy. And this was something that they have. They, and it, her name's like Mary Lou, I think Mary Jane, Mary Lou, and uh -huh. she's part of the Blue Water now. And so it's AR VR telepathy that's inside the labs. But instead of it being like, you know, five hundred bucks, it's like fifty thousand dollars or whatever. Well, that like, come down, you know. Yeah, but that's. But, yeah. but look at that. Plus, you're talking about recreating like past experiences. Not only could you go back in time of what you were, what you're doing, you could go back in time to what you were thinking. Yeah. Right? Like that's crazy. <laughs> all geeky on those fronts um diving into like family i want to shift a little bit because then we only got a couple minutes left and then you got to hop off in a, in a couple minutes here but sure. one thing is you are a, you are a family-run studio but you're also a larger studio um sure. and, we've gotten there over the years it, it's really yeah, not gonna like uh, not gonna come out the gates with that but but you also have like like a family dynamic. It's, it's you and your wife. You have kids, and like, yeah. um, in terms of like, because you know, um, the people that I work with are the people I love, and you know, my uh, my fiance is part of my company, and we're we're all together at the same type of thing. So I I envision moving that same type of trajectory and path. Is there any advice you would give in terms of like building a company with the people you love and scaling it out? Are there any things that if you look back at a younger Chris with maybe less facial hair and you yeah. give him advice on what to do? Um, I would, I'd love any advice or guidance you had around that. You know, the, the pandemic thing is kind of, well, you know, I mean, working to get, you know, cause I was working in, in animation and entertainment before we worked together as a company. Like my wife was working in like, she was in like the kind of like celebrity photography, like kind of industry where, you know, they, they, they you know, which is a, a real harsh industry. Right. And she'd come and visit me and, at MTV and we we're working on Beavis and Butthead and Daria and cool cartoons oh, and stuff. And she's like, oh, this, this looks like it's fun. I'm like, it is fun. You should quit your job and do this. And, <laughs> she, and then she started working in animation. And then our, our company kind of grew real gradually. We didn't have a plan, but it was good to work together because before it's an intense industry, right? Mm -hmm. Video games are the same, animation, VR, all this stuff is a, has a similar trajectory where there's a, a lot of grinding time. There's a lot of late nights. There's a lot of like being in the studio, you know, kind of things have to get done, deadlines. And before she worked, before we worked together, I don't think people really understand how that, how, how, how like intense it is. Right. Mm. But when you're working together, then it's definitely like improved our relationship, you know. Then we got married and stuff, you know. It's like she was dating, we were dating when, when I did the MTV stuff. She's like, oh, I get it now. I understand. So I think it's harder in a weird way to have somebody who doesn't work in that industry understand what what it is until they do it too. Because they'd be like, why, why are you staying at the studio? I mean, why are you staying in the studio until midnight or stuff? <laughs> you know. And, <laughs> I have to. I'm like, what do you mean? You have to. You know, it's like you gotta get it done. But the thing that's different and what's kind of cool with the pandemic. I mean, uh -huh. not a lot of cool things about the pandemic, but the one thing is, it's like way more family time. You know, I'm spending so much time with my son, and in between meetings, you know, you can go outside and play and stuff. And, you know, yeah. how's your, how's your son? He's eight now, but he was seven when the pandemic started because it's oh. been a year. You know. Yeah. It is. Crazy. So, yeah it's weird because we're uh you know we've we've spent most of it in austin texas you know we have a place out here which is where i am now but um you know none of our business is here and his school is in la you know and he's we're, he's doing remote schooling at an la school even though we're living in austin which is great <laughs> has he played vr yet he has i mean he he, he got the very early you know, I think when I did my artist in residency up at Google for Tilt Brush, you know, uh, 
you know, Shannon came up for part of it and brought him. So I think when he was like three years old, he was like, and that was the thing that was amazing about Tilt Brush. I love Tilt Brush. I'll talk about yeah. that. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to jump soon, but yeah. Tilt Brush, the amazing thing about that, I love Patrick and Drew. I tried to hire them before Google bought their company and bought Tilt um, um, and by try to, I thought about it, and then because <laughs> um, we were testing that before is released, and oh. way before we would But anyway, my point is, my three-year-old son and my like seventy-year-old mom immediately understood, having never been in a VR headset, immediately understood tilt brush and how the interface worked, and it's so intuitive, and so they just went into it and immediately, like any age, can understand. And do it. It was great. It's such a good. That's so cool. Yeah, the, the younger generations are gonna pick it up so fast, and even the older generation too. Yeah. Um, I'll shoot you. Um, I'll shoot you an invite here. Um, shameless plug on on my end of things is that I'm actually building uh an esports um kind of uh competition game, oh. and it's called it's called Arena Rivals. Nice. Um, and we've been doing it for a number of months, and uh, it's it's definitely more family friendly. But it's super fun, and I think I think uh, you and your son would really enjoy checking it out. Um, if you get a if you get a chance, man, um, we'll bring you on to the beta test group. Right. Um, Thank but, you. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's super fun stuff, dude. Uh, but with that with that being said, um, this is about it. I know you've got a boogie. Uh, one, it is it is beyond a pleasure to, to chat with you about all this stuff, man. I okay. I. Uh, I love whenever we get together. It's just it's it's uh, it's inspirational to see what you've done, how you've been able to kind of keep the culture, and then just kind of the, the freeness you have, as well as actually being able to like do shit at the same time. Because that's a hard yin yang to kind of shove together in a box and keep those things spinning. And so I you know I appreciate everything you do. Is there anything else that you would like to say, mention, let people know how they can get a hold of you or find the work that you do? And I, I just put up the uh, tip mouse five second night hashtag five second day 2021 uh, uh, link. If you put inside Google or anywhere else, um, you can find it. But uh, Chris, would you like yeah, to? Yeah, like, like Twitter is probably good for finding out what we're up to. Uh, tip mouse is, is tip mouse Inc. Like INC, like tip mouse incorporated. And I'm just. Chris, Chris Prynoski, which is P-R-Y-N-O-S-K-I. Uh, so that between those two, that'll, you'll find out what we're up to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love it, Chris, man. I love all that you do, brother. I appreciate you. Appreciate you coming on the podcast. And um, I look forward to uh, seeing you again soon, my friend. Likewise. Thanks. Right. See you. Take care now. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes Quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or, if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.